Restaurant Unstoppable episode 638 with Chef Larry and Jessica Delgado. And you just bang through it and get to the other side. And maybe that's why I I self-sabotage sometimes so that uh, things get a little challenging when they seem too easy. (laughs) Are you ready for It Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Everybody loves payday, am I right? But loving your payroll provider, that's a different story. It's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and who knows, you might even fall in love. To learn more, head over to gusto.com slash unstoppable. And when you run your first payroll, you'll get your first three months free. Again, that's gusto.com slash unstoppable. It doesn't get easier than Cake. Cake is the point of sale built for restaurants that's easy to set up and use. With cloud-based access from any device, 24-7 customer support, and a lifetime access to Cake University, how could you not love Cake? To learn more about Cake point of sale, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you're a restaurant unstoppable listener, you will save $750 off activation. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. Unstoppable. When your employees are empowered to speak up internally, you can stay one step ahead of costly issues that can tarnish your brand before they become larger public problems. Ethics Suite is the first employee incident reporting platform developed to be fully customizable for every industry, including the restaurant industry. Unethical workplace behavior is a threat. It's time to protect your business with an incident reporting system. Find out why Ethics Suite is the leading anonymous reporting system for the restaurant industry at ethicsuite.com slash restaurant unstoppable with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guests larry and jessica delgado are you two feeling unstoppable today absolutely yes always unstoppable (laughs) yes that's what we like to hear so combined the delgados have over 30 years of experience in the restaurant industry in 2008 the couple moved to mcallen texas to open a house wine and bistro a refined new american bistro in mcallen texas the delgados unwavering attention to detail and genuine commitment to community has translated into 10 years of successfully propelling the culinary diversity of mcallen and the Rio Grande Valley. Their uh, second and third restaurants came in 2013 with uh, Salt and in 2019 with Salome. You guys are doing great things. I cannot wait to dive into your story. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you guys got for us? Oh, man. I like, uh, you know, I always love enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. I love Emerson. Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm how do you get your team enthusiastic what do you do how is what's what's the secret to keeping that enthusiasm up? they just have i think it's just energy bringing bringing energy to every day to every shift and and uh you know allowing that to bleed into in, into the staff i mean they they have to they have to feel it they have to feel our passion yes. first we can't expect them anyone that that works with us in our organization to be 
passionate or to be energetic or to be enthusiastic yeah. if, if we don't bring it first. So you've we gotta, have to bring it hard. Yeah, you've got to absolutely mirror whatever that vision that you want your team to be, whatever that, that, per- that, that picture of perfection is that you want to set for your team. You've got to be that absolutely. because nobody will, nobody will exceed your excitement for your own business. I love it. Great way to get this thing started. Do you want to add anything to that, Jessica? <laughs> as I'm, as I'm going live. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Focus, Jess. Um, yeah, you know, we, uh, our people are so important to us, and we have 125 team members now, and it's been an amazing opportunity to work with and to keep our That's work family, you know, alive and going, and uh, it's just an amazing uh, opportunity and responsibility that we have to, to honor our team members every day and to keep them going and encouraged and uplifting them and just uh, really making a great place to work so that they can take care of themselves and their families and we ultimately can take care of our guests. And Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great way to get this thing started. Uh, where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Where? where I mean, I know you both started in your teens. Uh, Larry, you were 16 years old. I know, uh, Jessica, you were 18 years old when you started combined over 30 years of experience. Who wants to start with the, the backstory? <laughs> what have okay, you done? y'all, I go, just go ahead, posted this um, on, when did we get into town? What day is it? Saturday. Whenever we come to Houston, it's pretty much like we have to go to the original Carabas. Uh, where it all started 22 years ago when Larry hired me. That's awesome. And uh, so I posted and I said, you know, just kind of memory lane, the OG, we're here at Carabas where it all started. Hey, did y'all know Larry hired me 22 years ago? And not everyone knows that story. And so, so I, was, I was curious. I saw that you were at Carabas, and I know that you were working, Larry, in Houston, Dallas, uh, in Austin. Was Carabas where you two met originally? Is that how this this magic started? It is. I was uh, I was going through uh, management training in Austin. It must have been '98 or so. Okay. And uh, I was charged with the task of opening the, the kitchen. As so this a, is ten years before opening your own restaurant, right? Because you guys opened in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. So how old were you? 18 years old. Management training in 1998. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I was, I was seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I was uh, twenty. You were twenty six or twenty eight when you opened your first restaurant, right? Gosh, no, I was thirty three. Oh, okay. My math is horrible. Yeah, Jessica. Well, no, well, you were managing partner of Carabas. Oh, right. Yeah, I was twenty six when I when when I became or twenty seven partnership uh, mm-hmm. when I bought in as a partner uh, okay. at at Carabas. Okay. But uh, when when we officially opened House Wine for ourselves, I was that was five years later. Okay, got you. So, um, so the you guys, I mean, I kind of I like to kind of uh, divide the two storylines until the, we cross paths. So, what was happening before you guys crossed paths uh, at Carabas? Like, who wants to go first? Kind of leading up to the, so, your experience. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll start. I, I'll go back even further. Just to give you a little bit about. My where my passion for food and and then ultimately the passion for the restaurant came. Um, I was I grew up in my mother's kitchen. My mom um, was an amazing amazing cook, and my grandmother uh, was uh, both were amazing amazing cooks. And um, every opportunity I had, I'd pull up a chair up to my mother's stove and and beg her to let me stir the pot or or toss in the ingredients. And uh, from a very young age. 
it was obvious to me that preparing food for my family and watching them smile and watching them uh, just love, uh, you know, appreciate, appreciate the yeah. food. Yeah, the, the work that went into it uh, was was something that I enjoyed. Yes. And, and so I, I took every opportunity to prepare meals for my family, for my friends, and from that point, from from a young age, I, if we were barbecuing or grilling out, I'm the I was the one man in the pit. I was the one man in the grills. And my first job was was as you said, I was 16 years old flipping flipping burgers. Yeah, I, I had this working theory that passion stems from recognition, uh, being recognized for something. Because sometimes we're in our own world, we're doing something we might like it. Um, but that that love, that that interest, in whatever we're doing, gets compounded when we get recognized for being good at that thing, and it's that reward of recognition and appreciation for the thing that we do that sure. makes us become uh, passionate, truly, truly passionate. Would you agree or disagree? Absolutely with agree. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Oh, so, yeah. what happened after you 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 fell in love with cooking? When did you start living intentionally? So I start, I fell in love with cooking, and then I fell in love with with the restaurant business after seeing. Uh, Buses of UIL students and 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 uh, sports teams coming through uh, the dining room, and the excitement that excitement of watching a busload of like thirty people walk in and order, you know, I, I'd get jazzed up, and the adrenaline rush of knocking out a big rush uh, was what hooked me into in a restaurant industry. What right? is it about knocking out a big rush that, that hooked you? Get specific about what is it specifically about that? I think that it, is, yeah, it's it's. Um, it's the challenge, I, you know, and, and I'm very competitive. So when you put the challenge, pose a challenge in, in, front, in front of you that, that feels like uh, just overwhelming and, and you just bang through it and get to the other side. And, you, you and get into that state go, of flow, right, right absolutely, where yeah. it's magic. And I think people have described uh, being almost addicted to that state of flow because it's just a weird <laughs> state of mind. I think so. I think that's maybe that's why I, I self sabotage sometimes so that uh, things get a little challenging when they seem too easy. <laughs> right. There you go. So last night might be a case in point. So sixteen years old is when you started working in the kitchen. Were you how many different restaurants did you go into your early career before? Because I know you, you took some time to to travel uh, in farm, right? You're I did. I so after that after I graduated high school, um, you know my parents were farm workers when growing up. And uh, and our brothers and sisters were as well, and I I just felt like it was something that I needed to do was to to experience that for myself, and so specifically farming or traveling or which part of it? Um, well, tr- specifically <laughs> the, the, the 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 migrant farm worker life. I want yeah. I needed to experience that. Why? Uh, I just felt compelled that that was, you know, my 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 parents did it. I never had to, but I I just I, I was a seventeen year old kid who thought he knew everything, <laughs> like we all did. Yeah, there. yeah, and and, and uh, really, um, I didn't want. Truth be told, I was a stubborn jerk <laughs> that didn't want that to be held over my head for the rest of my life. So I was going to go knock it out and just get it done. So were they kind of expecting you to do that? No, not at all. No, 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 no. There was no expectation whatsoever. The expectation was go to school, get a degree, go to work. But I feel like that, the you know getting your hands really dirty and, and doing that kind of work 
and really becoming close to the, the, the earth and the work, the, to know where the food starts, right? And to have that appreciation for what these farmers do must be, should be something that we all, like, a- we should star, stage at farms, you know, to really appreciate I think we the, the beginning, you know? And I think there's the, that's probably stuck with you for a long time. It has. I was 17 years old, and I, I guarantee you that's the first time I tasted a tomato for Real, yeah. what, what the tomato's supposed to taste like. Wow. Don't right, worry. Right off the vine. Jess, I haven't forgotten about you. We're going we're gonna to put you in the hot seat once we get up to the, the current time. Um, so, any key restaurants? What I like to do is highlight key restaurants, key mentors in the come up, during the come up. I'm yeah. sure we're going to spend a lot of time talking about how tra- Carabas set you both up for success, but are there any other people in your life, any other mentors in your life, any, in your life, any other restaurants in your life that impacted you early on to help form who you are today? Carabas is it. Yep. W- w- once, once I moved back to Austin, or to Austin rather, um, I knew the restaurant industry was was going to be flexible with it for a school schedule, a student schedule. And, and uh, once I found that that family, the Carabas family, it, it was it. That was I knew that 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 was where where I could find a home to learn to develop myself not only in this business in this industry but as as a young man yeah. uh the, the values that my values that i grew up with aligned perfectly with the values of that company and 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 the core culture of that company and uh, it just it was the right place it was home all right so, and so all my, my all the mentors in this industry were came from carabas or were within that company. I guess we'll talk about Dude, that a I little can't, bit. Later. I can't wait to start pulling back the layers, but now I want to put Jessica on the hot seat and kind of have you share your come up story. Uh, was 18 years old, was that your first role at Carabas uh, in the restaurant industry or was there anything else that kind of set you up prior to that? Or maybe we should go back even further to talk about your passion for the industry and when that all started. Take us to where it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I started cooking with my, with my mom in the kitchen. Um, she's a great cook always kind of loved food or respected food. Um, we didn't have much growing up, so what we had was really important to all of us. And um, I, you know, I was so excited to start works. And literally, the day I turned 16, I went and found, found a job or started that job search. I've only been in the restaurant industry my entire life, <laughs> um, starting at Subway, then Shalotsky's, then Black IP, and then Carabas. So um, Larry hired me 22 years ago. I was 18 uh, in Austin. And a funny story. Hey, <laughs> hi, Edward, how are you? Larry and Jessica are a little popular uh, with the, the folks here in Texas. Uh, we're at the TRA show still, as you guys can hear in the background. Uh, thanks again to the Texas Restaurant Association for letting us record here. You're awesome. Don't even worry about it. You're, you're popular. You can't help it. <laughs> Pick up where you left off. So, so Larry hires me. Uh, I go to Outback Steakhouse to try to get a job. They they're full. They tell me something like they have a waiting list for years for people to work there. And so I see this building next door that I had never been to. Did they ask you what your experience was first? You should find <laughs> out the questions that Larry <laughs> asked me. So um, I'll let him tell you that story. Yeah. But anyway, so I go into Carabas Italian Grill and there's this very handsome man, and uh, he hires me. The rest you're not talking about Johnny Caraba, are you? No, <laughs> I, 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 Larry? I did not get okay. that opportunity <laughs> to be hired by him. Um, yeah, so 
Larry hires me. We've been together almost ever since. And, uh, you know, I just really, I've always loved people. I think that um, pleasing people is important to me. I love to make someone smile. I love to change their heart. I love to impact someone in their day or in their future. So, uh, when, did you know, you, when did you learn that you love to make people smile? When did that really click to realize that like, this is what I like to do? I don't know. I feel like, um, you know, that was part of my upbringing and something that really made me happy was making others happy and feeling comfortable and um, kind and generous. I do have to say, you have a knack for it. Because I met you last year at the San Antonio TRA show, and I remember you. You, you imprinted on me because that energy that you bring to all the people you approach, you're, you're full of light and energy and it's positivity, and you're a very impactful, uh, imprintful person. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, Larry hired me. I went through. Um, Quit saying it like that. My, you know, I you fell creep. in love with the industry, and I knew that I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And my parents begged me to go to school. And uh, fortunately for that kind of career boost with Carabas and that in the industry, I realized that I could have a great career if I was really ready to pursue it in the industry with without the absolute need to you know continue university and I'm by no means uh, advocating for that by any means but um, it worked for me and so um, you know it but crushed I, I, my I think parents. I might miss something you dropped out of college is that what it was or? something like okay. that yes of course um, I went to two years of uh, university and really knew that this is where I wanted to be. This is what I wanted to do. And uh, so, you know, my, my parents really didn't get it until, when did they, when did they really understand, like, and they, they almost stopped saying, like, hey, Josh, you should go back to school or you really need to get your degree. It's so important. And, and I absolutely know that that's so important for so many um, but I guess a couple Honestly, years in the house wine is when, like, they were, they realized. I think okay, it's when they realized we weren't really, coming back to Austin. We I, weren't coming back to Austin. <laughs> yes. I, I might be in the minority of the people who believe that you know college today isn't necessarily as necessary as it was maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, just because of the the access to knowledge sure. and the 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 information's out there. We can connect with people all over the world mm-hmm. with the internet. It's not as powerful as face-to-face, and I'll admit that. I'm not saying there's no value in, a, in an education, but I think there's a lot of pressure on people to go to school very early on, and then they get into debt, and then they can't make decisions that they would be able to. They can't travel and get experience working for chefs all over the place because they have to pay bills. Yeah. So I'm saying maybe get that, you know, get that experience, stage, uh, Work for some people, figure out what you want, and then when you know exactly what you want, then go invest in the, the career. Um, I don't know. Do you disagree, or maybe I don't know? Maybe we're no, not on the abso- same page there. Absolutely, I think um, you know that uh, university is not for everyone, yeah. and it certainly wasn't for me. And uh, I I just knew very strongly that this was the industry that I wanted to be in for life. And mm. I, you know, it's it's not even making a commitment. It was already just like it was natural it was a necessity for my growth and my development and you know I think that I have a kind and gentle heart and I'm so passionate about the guest and the delivery of their experience 
that that's always top of mind. So what I needed to learn more was the business aspect of it, how to be an operator, how to uh, <clears throat> take care of people, take care. Well, the operations was what I needed. And so, yes, the university could have offered me that. But with There's our first like career, there, you know? yeah, yeah, is really what I think gave us the courage and um, the know-how to finally say, okay, we're going to do this on our own. Nice. I don't know how. I don't know when. I can't I don't wait. Know. I can't yeah. wait to dive back there and pull back the layers enthusiasm. So yes. anything else that's worth highlighting in your come up uh, to this point? Or should we go back over nope. to Larry and maybe tell the story of uh, what it was like to interview you for the first time? Yo, good, good. I'm glad we're going there because I need to clarify <laughs> a couple of things. <clears throat> go for it. So I wasn't a creepy manager that hired a young girl that walked in. It was innocent. It was yeah. innocence in the, at its uh, at its <laughs> finest. So it's a it's a great story. I was actually going through uh, management training at the time, and I happened to be the only um, the only one with access to our applications and to our to our um, interview questions at the time that okay. Jessica walked in. Now, I knew I wasn't going to let her leave there without at least <laughs> getting through some of the process. And <laughs> since, uh, I mean, look at her. I, who wouldn't want to sit down and talk to her for 30 minutes? <laughs> so I didn't actually technically hire her. Uh, but I went through the whole process with her and then begged my managing partner at the time to hire her. He says, he says well, Larry, it's already done. <laughs> he says, what do you mean? You've gone through this whole process. And uh, it's funny. She, there was, uh, I was an HR nightmare, I'm sure, the, yeah. the, whole, the whole thing. But uh, we had a patterned interview that, of questions that we were supposed to ask. An interv- I wasn't trained on interviewing at the time just yeah. yet. I was going through my kitchen training. Got you. And... So it's a series of questions that are asked to the applicant that uh, you know you mark off answers that they that they um, would correctly you get a standardized interview process exactly to make it fair exactly and you tally up the number of, of right answers yep. and it, you know they, it was literally a score if they go if they're above this score great if they're not then discontinue or continue well here's how how little I knew about that process I handed that. <laughs> to Jessica and said fill this out <laughs> so she had a perfect score nice <laughs> so what did the, how was the interview though what was your impression aside from obviously being a beautiful woman what was your impression of of the Jessica? red dress that she was wearing when she walked in <laughs> well her answers her her her, her energy uh, the, the reason why you were aside from the fact that all the previous mentioned things well it's like you said you know she the the energy that that she has and and the uh, I mean her ability to light up a room was, oh, evi- was the words that were just in my in my head right there. it was evident from from that from that moment awesome and and she's been doing it ever since beautiful and even before she was she was charged with the with the task yeah. uh, it's just it's just natural it comes naturally to her and uh, 
I love it. I knew <laughs> that I wasn't going to let her go out, get out of there without at least setting her up to, to speak to our managing partner and and that she needed to be a part of that team and that I, that I, I needed to know her. Yeah, I think there's also something to be said to you. When you get that gut feeling about somebody that they have what it takes, trust your gut and do whatever you got to do to get them on your team. If it means going to all the other managers and being like, we need to make sure we, we hire this one, uh, you got to trust that gut feeling. I mean, there's some, you know, that's the low, the, low, the low road of your mind talking to you, saying that you know, something's right here. So listen to it. Um, so now that your stories have overlapped and we're you know, together working at Carabas. Let's talk about Carabas and how they formed who you are today, the lessons, key mentors, uh, your, your evolution as professionals at Carabas. Who wants to go first? Or maybe you guys can go together. So, well, Real quick, I'm curious. How long were you at Carabas before Jessica came on, Larry? Oh, two years maybe. Okay. You so does it, maybe, f- does it maybe make sense to start with Larry? Maybe, and yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Okay. Um, well, I started at a rest, at an opening, so I, I had the opportunity to to get really concentrated training from trainers from all over the all over the company, and, and an opening restaurant opening is like no other experience, uh, especially when it's with a, a company like that, like that has accessibility to 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 the kind of talent that Carabas did. Resources. Is this in the 90s? Or no, this is... This is the 90s. 90s, 90, yeah. 96 was when uh, Austin 2 opened on uh, at Lincoln Village off of uh, I-35 and 290. And so being a part of that, of that energy, right? It because, I mean, Johnny Caraba was there. Damian Mandola was there. Uh, trainers, as I mentioned, from all around. Um, the, the line was the best of the best. Yeah. Uh, our bartenders and our servers were the best of the best and we were learning from them. And and so that was I mean I, right away. I well, was, this was your this wasn't your first job in the restaurant. It was my is- first full service restaurant job. Really? But it you was. worked in restaurants before, haven't you? Right? At least one of fast food. Okay. Everything before that was was fast. Compared was, uh, to the the organizations, not necessarily the, like the, the 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 businesses that you worked at previously. How was Carabas different? What what stood out about Carabas that your previous experiences did not have? I think it was just how meticulous they were about making sure that, that we knew how to do our jobs at a high level. How did they make sure you knew how to do your jobs at a high level? I, you know, I'll tell you what. I was, I was totally um, overwhelmed with the amount of homework that I yeah. needed to do uh, when, when I got there. And I was hired as a busboy and a dishwasher. I had homework to do. I had to learn a menu. And, wow. and I, I, you know, I, I, I can remember applying as a server with no serving experience. And being very hopeful because I, I felt like I was a pretty smart dude, but uh, without it, without that experience, they you know they wanted me to start uh, yeah. slowly, smart, and and which was you know now in hindsight, um, I'm glad that's the way it happened because I had the opportunity to work every single position in that restaurant from from dishwasher and busser up through on both sides of of Expo. What's the value in that? It's invaluable. It's, it's to be able to understand the mindset and the, the, the perspective of every single one of our employees is 
to be able to not only empathize but sympathize, right? To know what right. it's like and to know that I was there once. And it sucks when you know uh, a table of thirty gets up and you get all those dishes at once, and you you know like it, it can be a tough job, you know. I saw uh, there was a, a meme I saw on social media. I think it was yesterday, the day before, and it's it's a dishwasher who's got piles and piles of of dishes at the end of the night uh, he's he's got plates and glassware piled up plus all the the smallwares coming from the kitchen piled up in his in his dish pit and then here comes a server with uh Tray. with with silverware okay and this and the server says or the caption says hey when you get a minute, can you can you run these yeah. through? And I can empathize with both, yeah. Because right, the dishwasher is looking at that server, going, "What? Can you not see everything that's in front of me?" But that server also operationally needs we need to get those, those, that yeah. silverware yeah. done and rolled, and 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 and, and you know, it's. Uh, I laughed at it literally out loud because I've been on I've been yeah. on both sides of yeah. that, um, and so having that having had that experience early on it's invaluable and I, I you know exactly what you said it being able to empathize yeah i just want to sow in a thought real quick too that came to my mind as you were talking and the idea if you, if you get somebody on your team that has very little experience but they have the the soul of a, a hospitality person they're a 51 percenter as danny meyer would say hire them get them on your team start them somewhere and um it can be overwhelming if it's your first job in a restaurant industry, and you mm-hmm. have to learn the menu, especially with a restaurant like Carabas that has all these this, this training, the menu, all these things you have to learn. Plus, you have to learn how to rest. A restaurant works. You get them in on a base level job so they can learn the functioning of a restaurant. Yeah. And then when they have landed that and locked that down, you know, put a little bit more on their plate That's and right. scale them into it and fast track them to getting them to where they have to be. But just because somebody, it's it's our job as a restaurant owners to educate and give people experience. That's our, that's our responsibility. So don't let that limit who you hire. Um, thoughts on that? Uh, I think it, it's it's you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I use Jessica and myself as examples because Carabas was also Jessica's full service, yeah, first full service job, and 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 then you know she. Did much of the same. So let's let's bring it over to Jessica now. Your first experience, aside from having this this gentleman ex- very interested in making sure you get the job, what else did you notice? <laughs> oh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I I get hired um, by Larry, and it was a great opportunity. And I had never worked at um, uh, you know a nice upscale uh, full service full operation. service chain restaurant and it was just such a great experience the um my 10-year career with them um was extraordinary was rapid um and i should mention and i'm gonna say it because i'm not sure if you will say it that you were the youngest managing partner correct youngest female Female managing managing partner. partner yeah um i had the opportunity to buy in as partner when i was 26 it was pretty awesome, and uh, you know, I, I think they have a guideline that you had to be 21 in order to go into the MIT, the management and training program, and um, so I'm just chomping at the bit, waiting, waiting, waiting. I knew that this was one in, what I wanted to do, and um, you know, I had some setbacks. Um, you know, I had been told, you know, just once you get to be 21, then we can start thinking about your career development with us, and um, and then that didn't happen quite as 
quickly as I had hoped at the beginning. Um, there was always so many people lined up for development in that organization, and it's part of now Outback Steakhouse or Blooming Brands, and you know they're they're huge now, and um, there were so many great. Um, people just like me that wanted to grow in that organization and so timing wasn't right for me and I had to wait my turn and uh, you know finally the opportunity came and I got the phone call hey Jess are you ready to start your management training program we have a spot for you and you know I I was just like okay this is my breaking point because this is what I want to do and the only way I can do it is, is if someone allows me this opportunity for growth and uh, so that was a wonderful experience. And I did, uh, um, you know, they're, they're so intense with their management development um, from you, you get uh, yeah, this is, yeah, paint that picture of, of what, and, that, what that looks like. I want to get specific and really paint that picture of what a good management and development uh, program looks like. So really paint that picture to give the, the listeners at home an aiming point of, of what they should be trying to replicate in their own business. Maybe not to wow. the same scale because yeah. we're a lot of independent operators listening, but we can try to get as close as possible. Yeah. And that experience has really helped us now as independent operators to, you know, continue that. So what Carabas did or Outback is a, a really intense, I think, six month uh, program. And it started from or one year program. I think I was in the kitchen for six months and then moved to um, the dining room. And um, Larry had a little bit different experience. Once he finished his management training, he was kitchen manager and developed in the back of the house as well as the dining room. Whereas after my training, I was kind of more hospitality and dining room driven, but I worked six months in the kitchen um, and then also as partner, I ran kitchen chefs. So my kitchen manager's day off, maybe I was running the kitchen or in the kitchen or working lunch service on the line. And again, it was just an opportunity that was spectacular. And with the intense training um, from finishing school, you go to a finishing school from one of the major mentors around the country. And I was in um, with that finisher for months i think we had just gotten married and what? this is something i'll probably have both of you did you have to go to a finisher too i didn't you didn't okay well he was probably too good yeah. <laughs> so you, I, I want to chime in just to answer your question a little bit uh more specifically it was about the the, the, the training and and what how it looks like what it looks like got you uh, because we've tried to emulate it but the truth of the matter is that it's expensive it is and 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 that's one thing that that Carabas wasn't afraid to do is invest in the right people. Which part of it makes it expensive? Uh, well, for starters, the the six months that Jessica's talking about was we were extra, extra labor. Um, we didn't, you know, we were. It's, it's, you got to pay that person to be there to right. learn. You that's know? right. And they're kind of dead weight for a while until they get brought off the space. But I mean, it's worth it in the long run. That's right. But it is and, expensive. And so one thing that that you know. That's important to understand that that their philosophy and and one of the one of the things that 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 I will carry with me the rest of my career is how important it is to understand and to know food, regardless of what your position is in the restaurant. It's the bulk of your sales. It's at at Carabas it was eighty percent of our sales, 80 percent 80, of our sales. And if you didn't understand food in depth, 
that that was going to be a, a problem. That was that was your job was going to be much more challenging than uh, than if you did. So um, the first part of training was an in depth kitchen training, and we had to learn every single station in the kitchen from um, every prep position, every line position, and before we even looked at sales projections and and P and Ls and and uh, food costs and things of that nature, we you had to get your hands dirty. You had to learn how to prepare the food, and, and it was a very much a scratch kitchen back then. And so, for many, you had to learn how to cook. Yeah. So is, uh, is that what you mean by understand food? Is um, is is it the uh, just understanding how to cook, or is it the uh, what's the word? The economy of food that you're talking I, about. More the economy. More understanding uh, processes. So what does that look like? The economy of What does understanding the economy of food look like? Paint that picture. Well, I'll use one specific example. And, and it just pops in my head because this was one that often does when we talk about food cost. And we talk about consistency in, in a product and what customers are looking for when they, when they come to your restaurants. They, they want the same product day after day in and day out so number one it's recipe adherence right your recipes have to be consistently executed and you can't execute a a recipe consistently if you don't get consistently high quality products in and the products have to be the same flavor profile the same shape the same and the same price yeah uh, in order for you to be profitable with that menu item for the long run. And you have to know, like, down to the, the gram, what the cost of that food is and, and have that, like, mapped out. And I had David Scott Peters, who's speaking actually at the TRA show. He's going to be coming on after you two, who went through uh, menu engineering with uh, an hour-long episode. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, David Scott Peters breaks down menu engineering to, like, the penny and how to do that, the whole process. So thank you for... Uh, highlighting the importance of that. Anything else? I don't want to cut you short. Yeah, no. Um, I, I think that's... Yeah. yeah. So, so, Jess, you mentioned something earlier. Uh, this gentleman, your finisher, uh, the person that kind of like rounded you off to get you ready for the partnership program. Um, any key lessons that you learned that you didn't have before going to that experience? That for them to take that extra time to, to, to make sure that, that you had what you needed to do your job, what, what did you learn during that experience? Yeah, so the expectation once you're at finishing school is that you're pretty much ready to be, be a partner, to buy in, to, to have this financial uh, uh, r- responsibility of helping partner and run the, this operation. And so, did, did she or he help you to, to get it to the next level anymore, or were you kind of already there, do you think? I think that for me, I was kind of already there, and it was my opportunity to really, um, to really shine, if you will, and to... Um, just really show that I could perform the job that I was capable, that I was competent, that I was um, ready to take on this this challenge as a as a young uh, young industry professional, and that I that I did have what it took to get to that point because it's a huge responsibility um, operating a restaurant from you know just having guests that always at the top of your mind and then you know we're entertainers we're we're problem solvers and guest uh guest recovery has to be at the forefront of every decision that you make and 
Um, okay. I'm willing to go deeper into that. Guest recovery, what's that look like? You know, we, we, we try to teach this all the time to our team. And, um, you know, we had a, a, a kind of a key meeting last week and with our, our new managers and training, if you will. And we're going through all these great scenarios that uh, Larry puts together on paper. And it's a verbal interaction of how would you handle it? And it's everything crazy that has literally happened or will happen in someone's experience from, you know, something as wild as a guest finds a bloody band-aid in Ugh. their dish. You what know, do you how do? do you handle that situation? And um, you know, from just explaining, like this will probably some part of this happen to you at, at in your experience, and still twenty years in daily, there's usually something that maybe you haven't um, experienced. So, so what I'm pulling from you is that you've got to create those scenarios, those protocols, if you will. If this, then what? And you yeah. need to run these scenarios past your people because they're going to encounter it. Uh, what do you do? And you have to have those mapped out someplace for reference or whatever. But what is the actual process, uh, the most basic broken down process for yeah. guest retainment or guest re- uh, What was the, the term you used? Um, what did I say? Guest, re- I think recovery. Like guest, guest recovery. Guest recovery. Yeah. Like, what do you do? Like, what's the first thing you have to do? To, you know, I really when, when encourage the- everyone to just slow down for a second. It's really easy, and especially if you're nervous on how to handle a situation or what that outcome will be. Just take one second to just almost take a deep breath and then... Literally think to yourself as an owner, no matter what scale of development they are with us, how would Chef and Jess want to take care of this? What would the outcome be? And the outcome has to always be about the guest. And I'm not saying necessarily that the customer is always right, but you have to always be thinking of how do we do right and how can we make a situation from a long ticket time where you're, uh, we're backed up 20 minutes on your reservation. Um, how do we make a guest know that they are the most important person, although they may be in a room with a hundred other So how do guests? you make sure they know that they're most important? Like what, what's the thing, what's the, the, the secret sauce? Like what's the trick? How do you, how do you let them know just, they're the most important? Yeah, I think it's as simple as, as just making sure that everybody leaves happy mm. and you can't do that if you're not in the dining room and you can't do that if you're not interacting with with customers so yeah. we have a three touch rule yes for all of our managers uh you know we want them to touch every every table every every customer three times and but it has to be more than just how's your dinner tonight or how's, how's, how's right? your service right um and but it could be as little as Pre-busting the table that needs to be pre-bussed. Management presence in the dining room and on, on, on the dining room, in the dining room floor. Essentially, being a host of a party every yeah. night. Uh, yeah. And I think you mentioned something like uh, you got to make sure they leave happy. Right. I think we're so focused uh, uh, on the first impression, the host coming through the door and you know, greeting them. But we don't put enough emphasis on the last impression. Uh, that when they leave, uh, like saying thank you or like asking how the meal was or, you know, making like putting that last like exclamation mark, that last impression going out the door. Uh, you do bet. you want to touch on that? Oh, yes. The one scenario that comes to mind is is one of my biggest pet peeves is having a 
fantastic experience from start to finish and then waiting 15 minutes to get my check. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, yeah, ensuring that we are consistent all the way through and by by communicating with yeah. them, though. You know, you yeah. have to find out. Uh, but you're not going to find out from your office or from the expo or from the kitchen. You've got to be in the dining room talking to uh, to to your customers and and yeah. I cannot believe we're already 30 41 minutes into this conversation. <laughs> wow. We got to take a break and thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. It's the entrepreneurial myth and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's the idea that when you open your own restaurant, life is going to get easy because you get to do exactly what it is that you love, whether that's front of house or back of house. And then reality kicks in, right? You've got to do all this other stuff that comes with owning a business like taxes, HR, payroll, really boring stuff. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small business. And if you want to add on 401k or health benefits, it's a breeze. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the modern small business. Not to mention, you, you've got to compete with the big guys. But how do you compete with the big guys when you don't have big guy bucks? Well, with Gusto. That's how. Get back to doing what it is you love and let Gusto handle the rest. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. That's Gusto.com slash Unstoppable. Again, Gusto.com slash Unstoppable. All right, so we're back. And uh, we're going to talk about, uh, technically, I go to break just before my guests opened their first restaurant. But since you were partners, you went through the, the, the partnership program, is there any last thing you want to drop on us about a recommendation for or advice for somebody who's listening to this who might be in a chain or a franchise group and, and are in that model as far as ownership goes? Any advice there? Any uh, you know words of wisdom you want to talk about before you guys broke off to do your own thing? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I get asked a lot. Uh, there's, a, there's still a lot of our customers in, the, in our community uh, and, and restaurateurs in our community that don't know uh, our full story and don't realize that prior to opening our own restaurant, we had careers with uh, with Carabas. And, you know, none of what we do now would have been possible without those experiences. And when you have a company that that is willing to invest in you and willing to invest in your development as long as you are you're willing to give to, to your, your own development and to the development of others like Carabas was, Ride that out because there's it's invaluable, invaluable experience, and, and without that experience, there's no telling where we would be. Yeah. You know, there's no telling where we would it's be. It's a great uh, trajectory path to take, uh, going to college or go, getting involved in uh, a, cor- a corporation that will give you the they have the resources to form you, to shape you, to give you the the mm-hmm. the, the, the lessons and knowledge you need to be successful. It's a great path. Uh, so, any do you want to add any more like one more nugget or anything? No pressure. But I don't yeah. want to cut you short before talking about opening up your own restaurant. You know, um, as Larry said, it, that opportunity just really um, allowed for us to be ready for our next step. And I think sometimes or oftentimes that folks see this industry as fun and glamorous and super cool and uh, especially for chef-driven and uh, food enthusiasts and uh, you know, it just seems so cool, and it's been a beautiful career for us. But it's it's absolute hard work, and you, you know, we hear people going into the industry all the time who have literally never been in the industry yet. They want to open a restaurant or a bar or um, something grand, and 
um, that they have they don't have the ability to to operate and to think about the business aspect because it's always great if I'm a great chef and I'm innovative in the industry and I am you know just a rock star doing cool things but it's another thing to be able to um, financially sustain your restaurant when needed and it's not all spectacular and cool and funky you know there's some really low points that it, that you can get to in the industry with um, operational organization you know we're going we're in a three three restaurant capacity now yeah. and we've had to change what we've done um, to continue to grow and to get to our we'll get into that I think yeah. we'll get into that well, let's, let's just transition now into when did you guys know it was time to leave and do your own thing why when and take us through that emotional side of it the the operational side of it and the the ups the downs and how you all pulled it off for me it was it was the end of my five year my first five year contract with with Carabas I was I had a choice to make. It was re-sign for another five-year commitment or resign and uh, and make a commitment to, to grow in something for ourselves. And what was, what was, what was great about it, uh, gosh, it was, it, it was hard. It was a hard choice leaving because we've been there for so long. I, I literally credit i grew up in carabas i came i mean it sounds super cliche but i was a boy when i started and and i was i was a, a man, man yeah when i left and uh, a respected managing partner within with not only within the company but in the industry and 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 around town and and i had um i you know i had lots of offers of where i could go work for as a matter of fact, I did. I, I, I did take a couple of uh, positions while we were transitioning, yeah. and there was just nowhere else. It was, you know, I'd <laughs> been there for too long, and, yeah. and I was, part, I, that, I mean, it was my second family. Yeah. That nothing else was going to compare. So it's like we have to do this on our own. We have to do. So ultimately, what was the thing that made you go and do your own thing? What was inside of you that made you make that decision? I, I think it, uh, youth was. Was was getting away from us? <laughs> it was just a, a matter of now's the time. If we're ever gonna if we're ever gonna give it a shot, we just we recently easier. yeah we were yeah. married. Uh, we just bought a house. We were just we were recently married. We we were talking about raising a family, and and all I could think of was if we begin our family now before we give this a shot on our own. There's no out. Yeah, we. We have to open this baby before we bring in any more. It takes babies. a lot. It takes a lot of energy too, and that youth is so uh, valuable to have yeah. that energy, to, to, the, the the stamina to show up and pull those hours, especially in the first couple of years when you haven't really developed the people around you yet. You, you got to put all that that weight on your shoulders until yeah. you can bring up your team to your own level and then start replacing yourself with these people. And it takes time to do that. You right. might you might put a year into somebody and then they might go somewhere and they're going to start all over again, you know? So it's it's tough. You're smart to use that youth, that 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 that, that energy you had while you were younger to, to make this happen. You know, we always wanted or I always felt like like uh, we could do something really great. At, at home in the RG, in the Rio Grande Valley in McAllen or in Edinburgh and I felt like we could bring 
what what we'd learned and uh, the skill set we had, and 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 really help elevate the the culinary industry or the culinary world in in the Rio Grande Valley. And right around the same time, there was a an entertainment district being carved out in downtown McAllen, and uh, we thought, well, this might be this might be it. This is yeah. what's everything's, the wave, everything's right? shaping. Uh, you know, shaping up to be just right. And so we started traveling down there just to see what that was all about and decided, man, this, this, this could be a good, a good thing. So what was the, sorry, go ahead. I cut you short. In addition to that, you know, my, my, uh, my family lives down, lives there. My folks, my sisters, my nieces, um, and I'd been away for a long time. I left home when I was 17 years old and yeah, I was, I was got that feeling like yeah. I, I need to be around family too and and jessica was so was so gracious and understanding about it but she also enjoyed the valley and enjoyed visiting over the years and thought this could be something great yeah so you you identify that there was a lot changing uh the the economy in mcallen was coming up there's a wave starting to form and you want to catch that wave what were your biggest challenges in the beginning so getting started how'd you get the money things like this like what advice do you have for raising the money what advice do you have for picking out a location uh was there anything you would have done differently knowing what you know now <laughs> wow <laughs> that's a few questions well, let's go how, many, how long do we have <laughs> right <laughs> so we opened up in 2008 right when um you know the the economy really crashed and so it was a difficult time and uh we knew that we wanted to do this we didn't have any funds ourselves to make this happen and the economy wasn't really that great at this time either uh, the economy it was, was terrible it was, yeah. it was terrible we, we were advised on all fronts <laughs> Do not do, not do this. Do this. Yeah. yeah, we could not even get a bank loan. Um, you know, there 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 were a few things that were going on. We we didn't really we didn't know how to take the approach. We thought we we didn't want to have investors, but we needed money somehow, um, and we literally could not get a bank loan. We were denied by SBA. Like it was that, and that's with two. Uh, two people who have incredible experience being trained and formed and, and molded into like restaurant professionals through the Caraba program. So, I mean, that says yeah. something that even you couldn't get. Yeah, absolutely. I, I recently read our, our uh, original business plan. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. I was shocked that we didn't get. Uh, so you got it eventually. How, how are you able to get the money? Well, we exhausted. We, we, we cashed out retirement. Our uh, retirement. 401k from the 401k, corporate k Yeah. Um, Maybe smart. It, it worked loans. out, <laughs> and then and, and and the rest and family loan the rest of the way. Uh, thankful that we had uh, um, family that or Jessica's parents and 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 my folks that were stood behind us and said, "Yeah, um, yeah, we think you're crazy, but but we're gonna help." And and you know what was what was really the the. I guess the smartest thing or the most beneficial thing was that McAllen was, uh, or the district that we moved into was something that would needed to be developed. And so it was affordable. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, I mean, not to get into too specific, but how much money, what was the number you needed that you came up with in your head that you would need to make this happen? We opened with right under $200,000. So, you know, when we, it was way less than that. I think there's um, when we had asked, <laughs> way less than that. House wine, 
Yes, That's babe. That's why I was way less than that. <laughs> um, we had two personal loans from family, and, you know, What was there that wasn't like, asking this, family for money? Was that, like, nerve-wracking? It was really difficult I because, bet. you know, um, my family that we had asked, my parents, um, you know, they don't just have these funds sitting and waiting for handing over to, to us. And um, it was a really... It was as much a financial commitment for them as it was to us to make sure that this worked. We They took out a second loan on their mortgage. My dad put his welding business wow. up for um, the, the opportunity to get these loans for them so that we could open and um, graciously... And with that always at the back of our head, we literally could not fail. Like, failure was not an option because someone would not have a home. Initially, and borrowing money from our family was not an option. It was never an option. I never wanted it. No. I never I never wanted a dime from, from family or friends because of that. You know, I grew up in a household where you didn't, if you didn't have it and you couldn't get it for yourself, you'd do without. Yeah. And... And so it was really hard. It was really hard to do that. Have you paid him back yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll cheers to that. That was to go. A great. How long did it take? Uh, two years, maybe. Congratulations. That's awesome. A little bit five longer. Five or six years. Oh, God. No, yeah. we, can, we can't agree on anything. <laughs> That's so, how you know we're married. Yeah. <laughs> so um, some of the things I want to highlight from your story uh, with opening the restaurant is going to a market that's on the come up, uh, taking the time to identify markets, and you were fortunate enough to call this market your home, uh, which was nice because you can be at home and, it's, and you were able to catch this opportunity at home. Uh, but being ahead of the market, getting those good deals on rent, and, and being able to predict economies and you can be it's easier to be number one in a, a market that's just getting started than say going to Houston or Dallas or Austin and trying to be, be noticed in a market like that go to a market where you can be number one uh, and, and you know be the leading edge take you know and and strike while the iron's hot and be the best and it's just easier in those emerging markets so I think that's good and then again it's the cost keeping the cost so much lower um, in those emerging markets uh, and you can really just get such a better return on your investment in the long term. So, uh, what else did you guys like just through the whole process of like you know you, you got the money uh, now you got the property? What made the property right? Uh, was there anything that you wish you would have done differently in the build out of your restaurant or anything like that that comes to mind? If there's one thing that I'd like to change about that building is just the availability of parking. Uh, I think I thought Jessica was crazy when she when she found this building and said this is it. Uh, I desperately wanted to be on 17th street which was the heart of the of this entertainment district and thankfully we never found a spot or anyone that was willing to to lease to us it was almost as if people were just holding on to their property waiting for the next waiting for for it to take off at the time there were maybe three bars uh and and there no restaurants today gosh what 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 is maybe three restaurants and 20 bars it's a true entertainment district but the challenges that 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 district has seen in the last 10 years and we're just glad we we weren't a part of that uh we didn't have to go through those challenges with them and those struggles um and so there being, were challenges going on in mccallan over the past 10 years you were in the the heart of the town what was going on that made you not have to deal with those challenges well there's challenge i'm talking about specific challenges within the that district okay um 
and we're only a few blocks away. So everything that hits McAllen, every everything, every challenge that McAllen faces, we faced with yeah. along with them. Every challenge that that uh, the industry faces, we face along with them. But they had their own unique set of challenges. Just being on that street, that's another that's another podcast. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Can you paraphrase real quick to get, just give the listeners an idea of the challenge was? Um, well, just multiple multiple challenges from from security to. Uh, the demographic that was coming, uh, uh, d- being attracted down down there to um, anything from from lighting, parking. Sounds like mayhem is what the challenge was. Yeah, it was a little, a little bit, bit of <laughs> of, uh, of of it took a little bit of organization to get where 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 we where they are now, where we are now. Yeah, uh, and and you know it's a much better it's a much better district, and a much better place than it was uh, eight years ago. So what was it like? You guys opened. What was it like when you opened? Take us through that that experience of, okay, we're, we have a location. We've got the money. We're, we're, we're building a team. We're open. What was that all like? Well, before we get to that, I have to tell yeah, you yeah. how great of an eye Jessica has oh, when sure. it comes to design, restaurant design. We walked into this place. It was an old photo studio. It had been a photo studio for 30 years, and there was rebar on the windows. She loved it because the, the storefront had huge glass windows all along the front facing business 83 which is a major major road um in mccallan and those windows caught her attention right away but the building was purple purple like like this okay that color maybe not purple maroon wine merlot (laughs) whatever you want to call it it still is but I, didn't, I wanted to change it desperately, but Jessica said, no, 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 I love it. It's going to be great. <laughs> Anyhow, we walked in the the building, and as I mentioned, it was an old photo studio, so there were little nooks and crannies of different types of, uh, of photo uh, sets where people could come in and, and take anything from a high school photo to a wedding or a quinceanera or a headshot or whatever. And each room had its own unique the decor and design and it was old there was shag carpet everywhere was, <laughs> I, I, I walked in I took five steps into the building I said nope this isn't it she says of course it is we're going to drop this we're going to remove the ceiling the drop ceiling we're going to paint the ceiling black we'll leave exposed conduit everywhere we'll have these beautiful ceiling fans industrial looking ceiling fans all this is going out it's be gray tile she just had a vision for it this color is going to be green that color is going to be Yellow, or that wall rather. This wall green, that wall yellow. Wine racks on this wall. Wine, wine racks on that wall. You can put your kitchen over there. I said. Uh, so what's the underlined like lesson to this? What's what's what the the, the value of having a partner that maybe uh, complements your your the lack of the vision you have for the space, maybe or something like that. What's the value in it? Yeah. Oh man. Again, it's it's huge. I, without that, without Jessica's vision, I don't. I don't know. Uh, you know, number one, we'd have that. That's expensive. Yeah. To have to hire a designer and hire an, an interior interior designer or a decorator. So, uh, so we only they have our own in house that we don't pay. It's kind of like our chef. We don't pay our chef either. <laughs> so, what's the what was the evolution of your first restaurant, uh, House Wine and Bistro? Uh, did it is it what it is it today what it was when you started, or, or has it evolved? Has it transformed at all? It's definitely evolved. It's definitely evolved. How's we, up? Well, first off, we 
we didn't have we didn't offer a full service kitchen when we first started. We were uh, we were a wine lounge, and what our focus was was on Jessica's uh, wine diary, which we like to call it now. And it was a, a wine program that that just I let her talk about about that. A little yeah, bit. go for it about the wine. Um. Yeah. So the when we I first started out the. It was we actually called it House Wine. Okay. Now it's House Wine and Bistro. Um, first concept was boutique wine bar and high end furniture store. Um, literally splitting the building. We thought that we maybe had wanted to leave the industry, and we quickly knew that we needed to get right back in. Uh, so House Wine and Bistro is. We started with a small menu, uh, and we've grown to really beautiful handmade uh we we do all of our pastas in-house we butcher in-house uh beautiful ingredients and that's our food philosophy for all of our restaurants is sourcing as she said leave the industry that wasn't quite that wasn't quite it though it was a a lounge with small plates plates of food yeah what she means is leave full service gotcha because we had 160 100 and something employees 120 130 employees between the two of us in austin yeah and when we conceptualized house wine we were like man we could do this with like five employees it's gonna be great <laughs> we're gonna slang wine all day long yeah, yeah. so, did, so that, we're back to 120 something right yes, yeah. yes. so what changed uh what, what changed the, the about that vision so you you originally thought it was gonna be small uh, but you've scaled it was yeah. it unsustainable or yeah you know it really just wasn't right for that market at that time and we we just knew that we needed a beautiful menu to complement the beautiful um, wine, wine program that we had, and we, started we couldn't keep guests in for you know a couple of hours. They'd come for a drink and they need to go for dinner, go to dinner, and come have a glass of wine afterwards. There was and literally an aha moment when we we realized happy hour was jammed; it was packed from four to seven, mm-hmm. and then. It was crickets. Seven to nine, everyone went to dinner. Till 10. Mm -hmm. And then at 10.30, we were packed again. And we had to stay open till 2 and be open for happy hour and then 10 to 2 just to make make our sales. And we thought, wait a minute, I don't want to be here till 3 or 4. Are we a bar? Did we just become a bar? What is happening between 7 and 10? And I think Jessica just said it out loud. She goes, everybody's going to dinner. Yeah. They're going to dinner. So we need to serve them dinner here. What was that trans? What was that 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 uh, evolution like? How did you scale into folks putting the focus not so much on the wine, but on the wine and the food? How did you do that? Yeah, I mean that was easy because kitchens came easy. The kitchen has always come easy to me. Uh, we had this space. Uh, we reinvested. Um, we were lucky enough to have a. Uh, uh, one of our biggest fans is, was president of the bank across the street. That's good to have. <laughs> and uh, and he took a chance on us. Uh, IBC Bank, Mr. Garrett, took a chance and says, you know, I really love what you're doing here. If you guys ever need need to expand or to do anything, please come see me. And, and we gave him the idea of what we wanted and how how we needed to uh, to expand. And, and uh, he was willing to help. In addition to that, I was... I'd taken a job, and I was working at a restaurant um, in between my duties wow. at at House Wine, and uh, and I just received a uh, third quarter bonus that uh, that was not too shabby, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Where were you working? 
I was working at BJ's. Okay. I was the executive uh, kitchen manager at BJ's Brewhouse. Just to give you an idea of what it takes to make it happen, you know, you, you might have to have a, a side hustle uh, or a full time job on top yeah. of owning a restaurant yeah. to, yeah, to make it, was, it happen. It was definitely and the power full-time. of, of pow- our partnerships because yeah. you wouldn't have been able to do that as a partnership uh, to divide and conquer like that unless you had uh, more more manpower. Like some people try to open a restaurant on their own. I don't know if you can. It's it's so hard to do it by yourself. Uh, to have that partner is yeah. so important. Um, so how long did it take you to realize that this change needed to happen? Uh, one year. One year? Yeah, we opened in uh, October of 08, and we added the kitchen and full service in September of 09. Yeah, and I think the lesson there is that you have to be willing. You have to listen to the market and not be too stubborn to not he- pay attention to what the, the numbers are telling you. What's happening here? Like, where are we? Where should we be? And what do we need to do? What do the people want? Did you ask them what they wanted? Did, did, did you have a conversation with them? Or We did. We Actually, we were... We just knew. We knew. because we in, knew in, in a, that they we, were leaving. We, mm-hmm. we, we, we did little... Uh, we started doing events to, to draw customers in uh we had dinner we'd play dinner in a movie we'd we had a little tv and a dvd player and we'd we'd sell like 30 tickets right it was like okay how are we gonna how are we gonna pay rent or how are we pay this electricity bill <laughs> and we we'd uh, we'd play a movie theme out a menu to that movie that's cool and People dug the food. They wanted. They wanted food. We started doing events around town and giving people a taste of what we could offer, and that's what they wanted. And and that's what was. What do you mean that? What's that? They, well, they wanted House Wine to be a full service restaurant. Gotcha. Yeah, our customers wanted it. We we needed it, and we knew that from jump that it was going to be well received. You've got to be willing to to pivot and to listen to the market and yeah. to adapt to what the market's telling you it wants. And you don't have to completely lose your own identity to do that, but you do have to be... There is a little bit of a give and take, right? Um, how did, did... I mean, did you lose... I, I feel like sometimes when people have to make that pivot or adapt to what the market wants, they might lose a little bit of what was special for them in the beginning. Did that happen to you at all? Did, did you have to give up anything? I don't think so. I think that really that's the involvement that we wanted also um and so it was just it was right it's it's everything that we've always done and we we you know just had to pivot to make it right for us and make it right for the market and so it was it was a um a really great time for it and since then you know house wine and bistro has just grown and we're 10 years into house wine and we've opened since yeah. Salt New American Table. 2013, and you opened Salt. That was where I was just about to ask you about mm-hmm. that. Um, so for, it took you four years from making this pivot to get to the point where you felt like you could, you had the bandwidth, the extra capital, or maybe the people that got behind you to be able to invest in the next restaurant. Yeah. How did you make the second restaurant happen? I think that's really what what it was. Larry always says that we had, you know, a handful of uh, team members that we're kind of maxed out as there as at our ability to continue to grow them you know we could only afford and have so many managers yet we had capabilities of of another team basically so he says that we essentially open salt to place development on place our team the channel of opportunity yeah yeah so salt new american table just really um, those those five years of house wine and bistro, we learned so much, and you know we've continued to grow really, and 
a beautiful way in our 10 years. We're constantly learning and evolving and change, changing and honing into our skills and um, becoming better operators and restaurateurs and chefs. And um, so it's just been a catalyst of getting us to to the next level. Salt was a combination of three things. Number one, our customers were de- demanding more of us. They were asking more from our menu and from our culinary team. And so our culinary team, we were all getting better. But I couldn't very well change the menu at House Wine because that would cause a riot. Yeah. So one thing I'm curious about, uh, and I think we kind of alluded to it earlier, the power of uh, putting energy into developing your team. And you, you said that's probably one of the biggest lessons you learned. So take us through that process of how you put energy into developing your team. So you could have uh, a team five years later. Uh, that would be able to go on and open another restaurant. You've recreated yourself and these other people. What what did recreating those systems that Caraba has look like in your business on your budget and with what you had, with the resources you had? Well, we we now have twins. They're four years old. Congratulations. So they're so fun. It's been amazing. But before four years ago, we we were in our restaurants every single day as owner operators and i don't think we ever took that for advantage uh you know where we were in our career we knew and we still believe that in order to be a successful operator and restaurateur and chef you have to be in your restaurants um the second we get a little um you know displaced with where we think we are in our careers we've got to know that you have to be in your restaurants and you know maybe you can't be there every day at this point but it's so important it's important to your people who work with you on a daily basis to see you and to have that face it's the it's important to your guests who want you to know as an independent operator that they're choosing you to eat and dine and shop locally with and um, and and so, um, yeah. Now four years in with our twins, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, I'm not at the restaurant every night anymore. Um, but Larry jumps around from the restaurants, and we work out of our home office now, Delgado Collective. So we've had to pivot because of the the third restaurant, the third brand, and our uh, growth to continue to grow our team and we have a home office team now which is you know it's it's different for the past experience that we've had as a small company and so when we opened house wine and bistro we had five there were five of us babe four of us six of us something like that and we literally said to each other like if we ever have 10 employees you know that would be like the ultimate or like our max and how many do you have now 125. <laughs> um, As it pertains to developing people, we don't have the, the huge budget that that a, that a big corporation might have. But so how we, do you recreate what what these these big corporations can do on a small budget? Yeah, we 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 do. We take advantage of every program that uh, that the McAllen Chamber of Commerce offers, or that uh, that other entities offer in town to Give send. me an example of some of these programs you're talking um, about. So there was a training with Glenn Shepard at, uh, at the McAllen Chamber um, and we sent our managers there to yeah. learn a little bit more about, about uh, leadership and, and th- those seminars and those kinds of sessions. Yeah. So, so take advantage of what your memberships 
provide. Exactly. So if, you're, if you are a part of the uh, state restaurant association, whatever state right. you're in, like what are they offering you? What are, exactly. What is your membership getting you? Take advantage of it. Right. And I say also, sorry, do you want yeah. to add to that? No, you, yeah, you're absolutely right. We're yeah. members of the Texas Chefs Association as well, so I make sure our guys, our culinary team. People just do. usually pay the dues and then put it in the back yeah. of their minds, and they forget that all those incredible resources are there. Right. We, uh, we take a, a courses also at, at the CIA in San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, we'll take members of our team up there. And, and, then, and I don't know if you do this, but I would, I would compound on what you're sharing and saying we, we have access to the Internet today. And there are like, the new thing that's happening with the Internet is people with specialized knowledge are now sharing their knowledge online in the form of courses and, and semin- or webinars. And uh, you mean Zing Train, uh, Zingerman's out of Ann Arbor. I don't know if you're familiar with that brand, Ari Weinswag, but he's been... And they've been around uh, since 1985 as a delicatessen. And now they've built this huge community of businesses, and they've recreated what they teach their people. Um, they're, they're eight operations now. They do have four, like I think they do like 12 million a year revenue or whatever. But they they've recreated it in Zing Train, so you can learn what they teach their people. And there's tons mm-hmm. of resources for cheap, you know, a couple hundred dollars. So like, you, right. there's tons of resources that you can plug into your business uh, and re- repurpose other trainings that other organizations have created. Um, sorry, that was a little long-winded, but... No, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. You know, we... And, and constantly investing in our team when we when we can, and not on big scales necessarily, but you know, we have three team members here today to really see this experience. And, you know, often we get so focused on our four walls and our our restaurant community, our food community that we forget or don't even know that there's so much more. So we've got a one of our chef de cuisines from House Wine and Bistro, our general manager from Salt here today, and then um, part of our accounting team is here. So yeah. they're on a mission. They're seeing, they're learning, they're wanting, they're able to be here at this trade show and see the magnitude of this association and the accessibility to vendors and really just getting them to um, broaden their horizons and to, again, learn and love even more love this it. industry. I love and, it. and they have homework, so if y'all are listening, get to it. Be <laughs> yeah. checking it in a minute. They so, are on mission. Um, I can't believe it's already been an hour and 15 minutes of recording time. They usually go a little bit longer when I have two guests because I want to be able to uh, get both those those come-up stories in there. Uh, anything that you want to share, anything that you were hoping we would discuss that we haven't gotten to to this point, um, anything that's near and dear to your heart that you think needs to be discussed before we go to the speed round? You know, I think that it's I think because this industry can and is so attractive um, as consumers and uh, you know food enthusiasts foodies whatever you want to call most of us probably listening to this great show um, you know we've it's so important that that we just always have that guest mindset to be able to deliver a level of service that is exceptional in any restaurant magnitude that you're in. And, you know, that will never die in this industry. I truly believe as much great technology as we have and, you know, ordering from iPads at tables and wine lists and spirits lists on pads and whatever. I know that that's always going to change. But what the what the consumer, I think, at least in our our style of restaurants they're you know refined sophisticated cool fun fun um 
beautiful restaurants to be in. The the guest still wants that interaction. They still want that face to face, and they still want um, the competence and the ability of that team to be able to execute a perfect dinner service with the level of hospitality that is warm and kind without being, you know, a snobby server yeah, or yeah. showing that arrogance mm-hmm. that is often, um, often in our industry, I think, in this day. Yeah, when you're, when you're labeled so as the proud. best, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. I right. know my shit. Right. Um, <laughs> so, Larry, did you want to add anything to that? Anything that we haven't touched on that you think would add value to the, the conversation? I think I think I'm ready for the speed round. All right, let's I can't bust follow that. The speed round. Actually, real quick, there's one question I ask. I want to start asking all my guests this question before going to the speed round, and that is um, the mission statement of the show is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And we do that by sharing the stories of people like you and making an example of people like you uh, to to have that aiming point to transform. Right. So, how have you both transformed over the past ten years? Who are you today? versus the the young bucks you were 10 years ago just getting started with your first restaurant um you know today i well you know i'm a diff- i'm definitely a different leader i've learned so much on so many mistakes that i have made um in my growth in the industry and um from uh ways of delivery to execution of of goals to just be being a better leader and I still make what does a, what, what does a better leader look like you know a better leader is a, someone who's encouraging and um, you know we say um, kind with people but very expecting of the results and we have to have those standards and expectations but being able to uh, communicate why those expectations yes. are there and not like you're just beating down somebody but like hey like this is the purpose there's a reason for my madness right absolutely yeah, yeah. and you know just um being more organized or again just operating on a on a higher level to reach success because you have to mentally be ready and prepared to 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 operate <coughs> multiple businesses and so i think leadership is um you know, a, a direction that I've needed to go in and I found that I've become a better leader and I still have opportunities for growth. But um, I think it's all about taking care of your people and being that that mentor, um, that it. operator, that one that someone can look up to. Got it. You got anything, Larry? Yeah. <laughs> How have I changed in 10 years? Yeah. I think it's simple. It's a much shorter answer. Ten years ago, I wasn't unstoppable. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what made you unstoppable? Today I'm unstoppable. (laughs) What makes you unstoppable? You know, the last ten years we've been faced with with challenges and roadblocks. And and, um, I've seen, or I, I think I used to view challenges with limitations and and my own limitations and our own limitations as an organization and and thought well we can't do that i've thought it i've said it and and i've shared that attitude in the past and i don't any longer now it's yeah we can do that okay awesome i've loved this conversation guys Nothing to it but to do it (laughs) there you go i love it i love that saying we're gonna take one more quick break we'll be back to bust out a true speed round to, to so you guys can get out of here 
Cake makes it easy. Thousands of restaurant operators are using Cake POS and loving it. With its easy, simple to use, and intuitive interface, how could you not? Cake users are achieving peak satisfaction with 24-7 customer support, not to mention lifetime access to Cake University. No wonder customer satisfaction scores are so high. Everything about Cake is simple, including its POS integration with Cake Guest Manager and Google Reservations, which basically allows your guests to book reservations or get on wait lists straight from Google Search or Google Maps. That's pretty rad. This simple integration alone has increased guest count by as much as 25%. To learn more about how Cake makes it easy, head over to trycake.com slash unstoppable. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can save $750 off activation for Cake Point of Sale. But you have to use my links. Again, that's trycake.com slash unstoppable. Did you know the National Restaurant Association states that losses due to fraud at a restaurant run around 4% of sales? That's like an annual marketing budget. Workplace harassment, discrimination, misconduct, theft, and fraud can all have devastating impact on a restaurant's profitability, public image, and result in legal liability. But how do you respond to and mitigate risk if an incident goes unreported internally before it becomes public? Ethics Suite provides a line of communication between you and your staff, allowing you to stay informed and respond to incidents rapidly and privately. With Ethics Suite, your employees can easily report suspicious activity or potentially unethical behavior from any device anywhere and employees can also submit reports completely anonymously if they so choose safeguarding your business starts by listening to your employees it's that simple find out why ethics suite is the leading anonymous reporting system for any restaurant in the industry head over to ethicsuite.com slash restaurant unstoppable we're back, and the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your, su- to your success? And maybe each of you can give me like one thing real quick um, there. It factor. Strength. Go. Larry. Hospitality. Or, or Jess. Hospitality. Courage. Courage. What is your biggest weakness? Go for it, Jess. Vulnerability. Larry. Oh. Or is that my opportunity? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's so biggest. hard. That's probably my biggest weakness. I can't see my weaknesses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process when you're building your team? Either one of you can take this. What is the most expensive thing in a restaurant? And what are you looking for? I'm looking for somebody to add. There's only one answer that uh, that I share with everyone. I, I'm really not looking for anything. I'm, I'm wondering... What they're, what they're thinking, what they're thinking, and and most people will give an answer about something tangible, and but the answer to me and the answer that I give back to them is I just want to want them to start thinking about something different. Yeah, and the answer is an empty seat. Yeah, and that's how we need to approach every shift. I love it. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today? Growth. Growth. How are you uh, dealing with that challenge? Yeah, we're we're three restaurants in. Delgado Collective is our home office with the team now. Um, and so getting to that level of, of operational needs and overseeing now a, a larger team, there's eight of us in the office who um, support the restaurants, is, that's, that's new for us. Okay. I've never had a desk in my life, and so <laughs> now uh, spending a little bit more office time is definitely different for us. What is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? This is a core value, a way to be, a way to act. 
Say it again. What is one core value, a way to be, a way to act you teach your team? That we teach? Yeah. Um, we lead with integrity, and um, our guests want that. They demand it. They need it, and um, that's what we expect of our, of our team. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? This is a way to go above and beyond what's expected from the guest. Everyone comments on our water service, that their water glass is never <laughs> empty. The water service and doors being open for guests. I love and it. And old school, and it's so, so relevant. What is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or a restaurant operator? Leaders Eat Last, Simon Sinek. What did you take away from that book? Oh, Biggest God. lesson. That is a great book, by the way. That's, that's, that's another hour conversation. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'll share something from that book. Uh, he gets into the, the biological uh, reasons we do things and the way we function. And once you understand how your mind works and why it does the things it does, you can react to it appropriately. It's like a car engine. You, you hear that noise, you know that noise, you know what it, your car needs. And your mind is the same way. When you know how it works, you can respond appropriately. And you can get that from that book. Um, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Take care of their team. Take care of their people. What is one piece of technology you've adopted within your four walls that's had a huge impact on operations? Profitability, communication, efficiency, anything along those lines. I would say functional um, technologies such as like use of open table, hot schedules, just quick things that we can access for. I still use a pencil. (laughs) I like a pencil calendar too. This is is the last question. It's a doozy. Are you ready for it? If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom, three things you know to be true about your success. Uh, what, what would those three things be that you could leave behind for your legacy and, and for the good of humanity? That's a tough one. People, the looks I get with this question. Yikes. What do I want our kids to know? It's one. Right. That's oh, one? Oh, is no. that one? Or is that the question no, you I, that's, I'm restating. Uh. <laughs> gosh. That is tough. You got one locked and loaded, Jess? No. I think it's important think that we make an impact. Make an impact. Community. Make an impact. Yes. Uh, live life with enthusiasm. Live life with enthusiasm. You guys both do that really well. And What's the third one? Being good stewards and um, stewards of our industry, stewards of your world, your community, whatever that may be. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And thank you for being good stewards and giving back to your communities and being active in your associations and your communities. Uh, it's one thing we didn't get to talk about today, but I know, I know it's something you both do really well. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant operator? Somebody you two respect and admire and believe would make a great guest like you've made for us today. Are going to say it at the same time? Go for it. Who have you been thinking of? Uh, I, I haven't. I was, I'm stumped. I'm sorry. <laughs> Who's on your uh, mind, Larry? Daniel Costello. Daniel Costello, look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And uh, is that who you had on your mind, too? He's a great mentor. He's awesome. uh, he's about to open up uh, 60 Vines, I believe. Is he down in McAllen? No, in Houston. Okay, in Houston. He, he was okay. our mentor with Carabas. And, oh, beautiful. Um, he is sharp and... Uh, 
I'd love to get him on the show and let the folks at home know how can we connect with you if we've uh, resonated with what you had to share with us today and we're in southern Texas and we want to come join your team what's the best way to connect to join our team um, you can call my cell phone personally we're always looking for great people Um, you can find us at info at delgadocollective.com and we're in deep south Texas uh, in McAllen and uh, yeah our restaurants are within a half a mile of each other I'll put those websites and the emails in the show notes Uh, and just again thank you both for taking the time to share your story your knowledge your mentorship there is no questioning you are unstoppable cheers thank you thank you thank you Eric all right there we go another episode in the archive here at restaurant unstoppable i hope you all found value before i let you go i have to remind you please sign up for the restaurant unstoppable email list that is where you will never miss an episode and you get the behind the scenes of what's going on here where i'm at what's on my mind and what the future of restaurant unstoppable looks like and you can have an influence on that don't forget to connect on social media that's slash restaurant unstoppable on facebook and at eric cacciatore e-r-i-c C-A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E on Instagram. But the most important thing you can do to support this mission of inspiring, empowering, and transforming our industry is by sharing this sucker with anybody and everybody you know who's aspiring to be great in the industry. All right. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.